My poor mom, I like called her because I was like, I just finished the Sixth Sense. Like, let's talk about it. And my mom was like, do you know what's happening in the world? Like, I don't have time for this. Like, she's like, do you know like, what Donald Trump was doing? It's like, I, I can't. I like told my mom recently, I'm like, I gained like this much amount of weight. And she's like, is this the report you have for me today? This is what we're discussing. There's some things going on in the world. He's right behind you. Hi, I'm Avital Ash. I'm Jessica Richards. And this is... He's right behind you. Ah! Our guest today is Ms. Nora Nagatani. I know that you are a stand-up. I feel like you're probably also a writer. I don't know how else you would like to be introduced, so... Sure, I'm an actor. Actor, writer, stand-up. Sure, I will take all those. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if there's anything I'm leaving out, say so. We're all slashies in this town. (laughs) Yeah, everyone's a slashy, and, like, I I sometimes don't, like... It's not that I don't, but I don't want to say, like, oh, I'm a writer if I haven't done anything of note. But, like, yes, I'm a writer also. I don't know. You that's know, weird. Same. I'm a writer with that same asterisk. <laughs> okay. I yeah. feel like if you can't, first of all, let's just call because I've thought it the last few times Jessica said asterisk. Every time she says, she like drops the second asterisk. Yes, I do. <laughs> asterisk. Asterisk. Yes. <laughs> I'm from Texas. So you can Maybe be a writer. That's a Texas thing. <laughs> and not know how to pronounce words. It's fine. Um, I don't know why I'm still talking, but what I was going to say is that if you do stand up, I feel like you have to be able to write, unless, you know, like old timey stand up where you had other people writing your jokes. Like, if you're writing jokes, you're a writer. And who does that? Probably people at the top. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Must be nice uh, at yeah. the top. <laughs> um, but you're both writers, actresses, and stand ups as well. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. I was going to say that's all three of us. <laughs> Trifecta. I've been directing more and more, so I'm. I've, I'm putting oh, yes, that in my I saw, group of yeah, slashes. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. I saw um, the episode you directed that Jessica was in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Awesome job. Like, I love seeing, like, women getting out and doing their own. Thanks. And the, uh, thank you for bringing it up, too, because it's just a nice moment to plug that to our listeners, if you haven't yet, please go to thirsty.show. Uh, there's four <laughs> episodes, and they're fun, and Jessica's in one of them, and she's great. So Yay, thank you. I implore you to check it out. Um, <laughs> What is your relationship with, with I almost said stand-up, with horror? <laughs> like, when did you start watching horror? Or did you grow up reading horror? Or, you know, like, uh, what was your entryway? I did, um, man, I saw a little glimpse of, I remember the first, like, movie I was really scared by was Firestarter, and that was with... I've never seen it. Oh, it has Drew Barrymore, and I remember I just, like, caught, like, too much of it at the time, because I was, like, <laughs> with my sister and her, and she's older, so I was, like... Drew Barrymore is like a kid and she's so good like you know Drew Barrymore and E.T. like she's just so precocious and she plays a fire starter and it's like somebody that whenever she's upset she lights things on fire with (laughs) (laughs) and it was heavy so that one now that I'm thinking but the big impact I think was the exorcist which you guys I didn't listen to the thing but I know you guys did the um thing on it but I have my own weird experiences with that like I begged my mother to see it when I was uh 12 I think and and I was like please 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 like me and my next door neighbor who was a grade above me Brendan Lally we used to I think we can use real names he won't care um (laughs) we used to like binge on horror movies and we'd pick a new one each weekend and it was like our excitement 
Um, and I just remember begging my mother to watch The Exorcist. I'm like, I'm almost 13. That's why. I know. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, please, please, please. And then, of course, I watched it and it scarred me. <laughs> I slept, I remember sleeping on my parents' floor for like six nights in a row. I'm like, I can't. And I was too old to be doing that, you know, like at 12, like you shouldn't be. But I was like, I couldn't get it out of my head. And then I moved when I moved to Los Angeles in 2012, there was a play, The Exorcist, The Play. Oh my gosh. With Brooke Shields, and I saw it. (laughs) (laughs) And um, the author was there, and I had also read... So flash forward like eight years later, me and my roommate Jessica Wyckoff... um, is also an actress as well but she um we read the book the exorcist like we were reading it trading off and we lived in the same house together, like to but... each other no <laughs> no oh like it wasn't that romantic no um, <laughs> she she was reading it and then she'd leave it in the kitchen and I would read some of it and put it back in the kitchen but we were that superstitious about it because the book is terrifying yeah there's no way I would read that book that sounds way too scary. So <laughs> scary. And her dad sent it to us and her dad's like, I read this book in college and it, I taped, I made a popsicle sticks together and a cross and I put it <laughs> above my bed and we're like, great, thank you for sending this dramatic <laughs> literature that I hadn't thought about in years. Um, but yeah, so then the author of the book was at the play and I knew who the author of the book was because I became so obsessed with the movie and how they made it because oh it terrified gosh. me. So he was at the play, and I was a little bit drunk, <laughs> a little bit loaded, and I went up to him, and I was like, sir, <laughs> in earnest, I was like, sir, I just want to let you know that I watched this movie when I was young, and like, I've read the book in college, and like, now it's a play, and I was like, you've created one of the most terrifying pieces of like, I think literature and horror of all time. And I just wanted you to know. And he started tearing up. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. He was like, thank you so much. Like, cause I meant it from my That's heart. That's so sweet. And it was like, you've really fucking scared me. <laughs> you made him cry with joy over the terror he inflicted upon I don't him. want to say he cr- he teared up he welled he was welling up yes yeah. oh that's I love that story yeah that's so it so came nice. full circle in a weird way and like but I was then like I had to know how it was made and like there's all this I don't you probably talked about it on the podcast there's all this like crazy yeah. happenstance around the film and like it caught fire one night and like Linda Blair there was a uh, murderer who was like an, basically an extra with a line in the movie I mean I did not know that <laughs> it's insane yeah. yeah what wait so here's my question for you when you were 12 and were begging to see the exorcist was it because you like wanted to look cool for Brendan or because you thought that you wouldn't be scared or you wanted to be scared what was the draw I wanted to be scared it was like it's like the roller coaster it's like going on a roller coaster which I don't do anymore but it's like (laughs) this is gonna produce anxiety the entire time and then I don't know it was like our form of adrenaline back then you know when you're 12 and you're like just looking for something to do and that's how I feel now yeah I don't want to do anything scary in real life I just want to watch a movie and get scared and be okay (laughs) except (laughs) not this one just I was (laughs) dreading watching this one I was very scared to watch this movie again For sure. (laughs) Well, I guess when we get to the movie, I want to hear, because there's a line, right? Like, we want to be scared, but we don't want to be that scared. (laughs) You want to be scared, but you want to be able to sleep. 
right? Yeah, that's the hard part is like what's fun scary to you is different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as an adult now, I feel like I watch less horror, but I do like enjoy. I think the Sixth Sense is so classic and like it's storytelling and it's like oh yeah i mean it's an iconic film i think for a reason and it's still like i want to get you guys opinion because like to me it still holds up and like i've i remember the distinct times in my life when i watched this film and now seeing it again i'm like okay this is the last time because it's been four times and i can't watch it again (laughs) (laughs) okay well we'll dive into the movie but first yeah is there something that you've either experienced or in a dream or seen in a movie or tv show like a scene or an image that jumps out to you as the scariest i think in the shining when it's the revelation that he's been writing the same fucking sentence over and over. Mm. Yes. That so one. scary. I remember that being a big reveal and I was like. That's so scary. Yeah. Y- yeah. It's a good um, answer. I read that book, The Shining, uh, I don't know, like six or seven years ago. And every time it's like he's in there typing, he's in there typing. I was getting so excited because I was like, when did it start? Like, when did he stop writing the book and start writing this just thing? Just the same fucking and then, sentence. Yeah. That is not in the book. It's not? It's not in the book. That is an addition to the movie. Stephen King did not write that. I was so upset. <laughs> so that was Stanley Kubrick? Yeah, Stanley Kubrick. But he's the one that added it in. Crazy. Oh. Right? That's God, like my that's favorite part of the movie. Cool element. <laughs> Wait, was it him or was it a, the screenwriter? Who wrote, who wrote The Shining? Wasn't it uh, written by uh, Stanley Kubrick and, hold on. And uh, Diane Johnson. Diane Johnson and Stanley Kubrick wrote uh, the movie. Okay, so either way, Stanley Kubrick definitely had a hand in it as a director and co-writer. Yeah. yeah, I love that that's what you brought up specifically. I mean, I was thinking of that, and then obviously in... I think The Ring was really scary, I think. Um, but with The Sixth Sense, with the revel- whole revelation of him, like, I don't want to say, I guess, but the big <laughs> thing, like, I remember being so shocked and like, you're just saying the ending the ending of the sixth sense yes fucked you up and the whole thing was in fucked. this movie the sixth sense he opens a box and there's a vhs tape and i was like the ring <laughs> right, like, right i can't look at blank vhs tapes the same anymore oh yeah <laughs> it's been really interesting on this podcast to see how much the ring really scared people i think especially in our age group like, the people we've had on that are around our age, the ring is, like, very memorable. Yeah. But some people who are, like, a decade older, too, or, like, close to a decade younger. I have two people in mind that I don't want to call them out for being babies <laughs> or grandpas, but. <laughs> well, every, everything scares my mom, so she counts. She's on that list. Yeah. There are people, like, you know, a solid, I feel like uh, there's, like, a good 30-year chunk of ages that are really affected by the ring the same could go probably for six cents but everyone knows the ending the ending <laughs> yeah it was interesting watching it now and being like that's all i could think about the whole movie yeah it gives you a new perspective on yeah. it um so i did forget halfway through <laughs> like at the beginning in the very beginning You're like, like what I... when it ends <laughs> <laughs> no but i mean like as i'm watching it, it yeah. I, yeah, I totally stopped thinking about, you know, because I remember seeing this in theaters and the revelation blowing my mind because I was, what, this is 99, so I was like 13 when I saw this and just being completely shocked. 
and then like wanting to watch it again to see did it check out does it you know like how does it actually work and then this time in the beginning I had that same feeling of like oh I'm really gonna pay attention and then like 15 minutes in I was like so in love with Haley Joel Osment oh my as this god tiny, I just wanted to save him so oh bad oh my gosh <laughs> okay my please that I like totally forgot about Bruce Willis like I just stopped caring about him. He's so believable. I, yeah. Well, he's now in, right now, in what we do in uh, The Shadows. The Shadows? Oh. He plays... Oh! Uh, I haven't watched it. I didn't know he was on it. I saw the first he, season, but I, I am happy to see his, like... I'm like, okay, you're still at it. And he probably needed to take a break. Like, imagine being a child actor, like... That level of success. Like, I don't know. I feel like that would be a crazy life. How if, is he on... Uh, what we do in the shadows he's great in it and I do remember like my friend um Melissa or a Pesa name drop in here from FSU alum but she before <laughs> she went to FSU she transferred from Tish and they were in the same class together wow um, I guess and he did like this was when he was like 18 or 19 I was like how is he and she's Can you imagine being in acting class with Haley Joel Osment who's like got that's... an Oscar nomination if I was that teacher I'd be like do you does that sound okay to you like do you have anything <laughs> yeah. to add to my lesson yeah imagine like... teaching that class oh yeah was he nominated for this for this wow yeah he he deserves it he's amazing he was nominated for this yeah so this movie got six Oscar nominations best picture best director best script wow. best film editing Best Supporting Actor for him and Best Supporting Actress for Tony Collette. It's weird that he's Best Supporting. <sighs> so who would who is he supporting? Bruce, Bruce Willis is yeah. the starts with him. He it's through his eyes. Yeah. I also like that it's through the lens of the delusional ghost. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> this is what I realized this time watching it. Every time I pick up something new, but I'm like, okay, it makes both of their experiences real, which was so the mind fuck of it. Because it's like, oh, the reality is that the narrator this whole time has been. Do, can I say the end? Yeah, go for it. Guys, <laughs> if you don't want it spoiled, now is the time to turn back. This is your final warning. If you haven't seen The Sixth Sense or don't know the ending. If you haven't seen The Sixth Sense and you don't know the twist ending, I want to give you a hug. Like, how did that happen in your yeah, life? amazing. I will say, once <laughs> watching it now, I feel very confident that if I... It, like, you, this happens a lot with movies where someone's like, did you see the twist coming? I feel like this is a movie 100% where if I knew that there's a twist, I would figure out what the twist was. I was so shocked when people were able to guess it. And watching it now, I feel like there are a couple moments where I'm like, this is very obvious now. Especially if you have that clue of there is a twist. I'd be like, well, I was reading a thing with M. Night Shyamalan where he was saying, by the way, I don't know if I said his name right. I was thinking about him like, is it Shyamalan? <laughs> Shyamalan? I don't know. I think it's like M. Night Shyamalan, M. Night Shyamalan. right? Shyamalan. Okay. You just don't say um, that why? So he, uh, he, in an interview, he was saying basically like that – you know, the curse kind of from this is that he likes to put twists at the end of his movies. So, like, going mm-hmm. forward, it's like you expect a twist. And so he was like, what would the experience have been like if this had been, like, his fourth movie? And you were like, well, obviously there's going to be a twist in this. Right. Like, it benefits from being the first because you don't know that that's what he does in his movies. Yeah. I really also like that he always puts himself, like, gives himself a little cameo because it's just... <laughs> And I liked the use of it in that, but I mean, I've seen some of his other... I need to see Unbreakable. I feel like people always say that that one's great, and I haven't seen it. Unbreakable's great. And I saw Split, and I thought Split was great. Mm, I haven't seen that either. I haven't seen that. I saw one with Mark Wahlberg, and there were, the trees were... Oh. 
What is that called? I, <sighs> the something. I saw signs and I saw the village. The village I thought was pretty good. I also it's me calling out like I, I think they're great. Like, yeah. but science yeah, was it did great, kind of but it doesn't me. have like science doesn't have like rewatch value. That's like once you've seen science, you're like, I'm good. I don't want to. I don't. I, don't do that I, again. I think a lot of people don't feel that way. Like to me, and I was very easily scared at that age and science didn't scare me I think in general I don't know I'm not really freaked out by aliens whereas like Amir I know thought science was really scary and would yeah I thought that was scary yeah I thought fourth kind to in terms of like alien films have you guys seen fourth kind yeah that haunts me still god I saw that in fucking let's see we were it was college because I remember I was like with my boyfriend and his friends and then my boyfriend worked at Gumby's Pizza <laughs> at night <laughs> delivering pizza. So like we saw this movie and then I was like left alone. <laughs> this was in Tallahassee, Florida. So there was like redneck neighbors. And that night I was like sitting there all amped up because I had just seen fucking fourth kind. I'm afraid of alien abduction. And then they <laughs> shot out the windows with a BB gun that night too. And so I was like Jeez. alone and I was like, do I call the cops? Is it an alien invasion? But I feel like shit like that happens. <laughs> that is scary. In general, I'm like, aliens, whatever. But yeah, I, I feel like this makes you want to do another go-round of M. Night movies. <laughs> <laughs> alien stuff gets to me. Me too, because there's like no way you could prevent it. If, <laughs> if they, you know, like if they want to yes. come take you, they can. I'm so much more afraid of like the evils of mankind. I'm like, we're scary enough. Aliens are not. I mean, yes, that's scary as everything is a a little bit terrifying if you. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So, Nora, do you believe in ghosts? Because I know Um, Avital's answer on this, but it's very important to how scared you are of this movie is like how you feel about ghosts. No, it's a great question. I'm glad you asked. (laughs) I do believe in ghosts in a way that I do think um, there's lingering, there can be lingering energies and things that we don't see obviously you know I do think there's presence of things that are beyond any um beyond anything we could describe even I guess just I do believe that there's energies have you ever had an encounter with a ghost of any kind with a ghost god a spirit no No. not now that I'm thinking no but I do believe that they exist and I feel like if they did exist they would exist in if I have to box it in they would probably exist in the way that <laughs> shown in the sixth sense like I like in the way that like I don't think they're benevolent spirits I do think like it's just like a lost soul like that is caught in the in-between of their journey mm-hmm. unfinished business yeah I think it's unfinished business and you know I do do you guys believe in ghosts yes and- Yes, okay. and I'm terrified of them. You know, what was interesting in hearing you say <laughs> that, um, it's never occurred to me before, but the the way that a bunch of people, a bunch of people, real understatement, <laughs> but the way that a bunch of people believe in God, because it's comforting <laughs> as a human to think that something is like good and looking out for you. I never thought about, there is a similar comfort in the idea of ghosts sticking around with unfinished business because it gives us hope that like, if we don't finish it all, you get a second chance. Like there is something that makes me feel a little more comfortable even though I don't totally buy it in that format yeah but it's like a comforting idea that if I really fuck up I might have a chance to set things straight um I don't yeah I don't not believe in ghosts and I don't believe in ghosts like I think there's so much that we don't know and there's so much that's inexplicable 
And mm-hmm. I think it's it's like kind of narrow minded to be like, we know everything that exists. <laughs> so yeah. I do think there's a, a real possibility, but I don't think it's it's probably not like anything that we've drawn up. I don't know. I don't know exactly what I believe. I just know that we don't know everything. <laughs> I would love if, like, at the end of this, after I don't, whenever you die, like years and years and years, and years or whatever, <laughs> you're like, oh shit, it's just like the sixth sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh wow, this really like, is it. That's the shocking part. You're like, oh, we really do like cause goosebumps on people's arms and shit. Yeah. <laughs> that part. Oh my god, when he was describing it too, it was like oh. so good. To go back to like the whole thing, I think there's the there's a saying like nobody on like a crashing plane is an atheist does that make sense Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. it's at the very end like who knows but at the very end you would think like you just start to pray yeah because why not it doesn't hurt anything by doing it does that make sense and I Mm -hmm. do you know in a spiritual way I think like it's it's also the power of your thoughts and like what you put your energy towards Mm -hmm. and you attract different things based on the vibrations you're giving out. Um, a small bit of spookiness that I feel like Jessica might cut this because you don't like when we date exactly where we are. But people know that we record before we release them. But I was excited because today... Like, carry on. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> My throat was hurting. So while I was making coffee for this interview, I pulled up the newest WTF that came out today because I was like, oh, and I haven't checked. Usually I get like excited to see who the, the guest is. Um, on Monday when it comes out and I hadn't checked and it's Tony Collette and that felt like such a nice <gasps> bit of yeah isn't that great I was serendipity. like serendipity yeah it felt so perfect this was the first movie I saw her in I think me too me too I, think. I hadn't seen Muriel's wedding at this point yeah I saw it I saw it maybe me neither well I still haven't but I know yeah. that it that was her first film yeah yeah she's so good oh my god she was what twenty when Sixth Sense was. She was twenty seven, right? Jesus, she was really young. Uh, uh, and she's wearing a wig the whole time. Is she? She is. Yeah, because her hair, her head was shaved for something else. Whoa. I also love. I think there are so many really great actors that are not American, and I forgive them their like passable American accents because I love them and they're great. But she genuinely pulls it off. Like, I feel oh like my God. there's always moments I can hear, that person's Australian. Like, I can always hear it. It doesn't always bother me, but I can always hear it. And I can't hear it with her at all. She nails it. She sounds like a like amazing. a Brooklyn mom. I think she's so incredible in this movie. And, like, there were so many moments. And I think, too, that the acting is so good in this. This is what really sells it for me, like, as the full package. Because, like, everyone's performance is so airtight. Like, even... And kids are hard. The kids are hard. The yeah. Tommy Tomasino kid. Who yeah. like... <laughs> All the ghosts are great, too. Yeah. The go- like, Can I just yeah, say that Misha Barton's first. Tommy Tomasino, the actors, Trevor Morgan, I think I'm the, – because there were two, but I think that's the one. He looked so familiar, and it was making me insane, and I had to look him up. And then I realized he looks just like an Olsen twin. Like, he looks like he could be the third <laughs> one. He kind of does. Well, he's, right? he did like Disney movies. He's always played like the bully, right? When he was a kid. I like that in this one. So there's like a point early on. I know we haven't even really explained the movie yet, but there is a point early on where he is like pretending to be friends with Tommy for his mother's sake. 
And then they walk away, and it feels like the kid's going to be like, give me your lunch money or something. And Tommy's like, do you think she bought it? And then he just walks away. Like, he's, like, oh, such yeah. a nice bully. <laughs> why did? Why is he doing Oh, I didn't that? think she – no, I, th- I thought he was an asshole. He was yeah. like, do you think she bought it because he was, like, flaunting his acting chops or whatever. Yeah. That I know, he but he didn't do. then, like, punch him or, like, steal well, his later, pop dart or anything. they do really mean <laughs> things to him. He doesn't do but anything But he's not scene. there. He's – but it's not yeah, him, right? Don't too... they throw him in there? Yeah, I thought it's that was one him. of those two kids. Yeah, I thought it was him and one other kid that like shot no, him in a. Tommy Tomasino sucks big time. <laughs> <laughs> it, nice. Like this... Also, too, I feel like that was M Night Shyamalan. Like, do I? And I hope I'm saying his name correctly. <laughs> but I, I <laughs> think that was him yes. to the nod to like Hollywood bullshit. Like he's in a cough syrups commercial so he's obviously like the experienced actor in this and you know like it gave him clout to have like a hollywood credit yeah which was interesting <laughs> so i guess we should like introduce the beginning at least which is like or the basic story of the movie um, okay where bruce willis is a child psychologist yeah is that yeah, the right word yeah. for it yes something he works with mm-hmm. children He's a, he's a and children. he wins this prize from the city of Philadelphia that names him its son, which I was like, that is really sweet. I'd love to be named the child of a city. <laughs> yeah, he wins this big fancy award. But it's also, there's that great line where he's saying, like, it's it's either him or his wife or whatever, and it's like, uh, you've worked so hard for this, and it's the only thing you care about, like, even more <laughs> than me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yikes. The wife is like, I've come second. Okay, well, then at the very end, like, the last part is, like, he was, like, you were never second. And then yeah. he's, like, made his peace and can move on. Yeah, exactly. But it's also, like, she says it, and she doesn't seem that upset about it. No. If you're a child psychologist, I would, yeah, I think your work is maybe a little even probably more important than Yeah, she seems to respect that it's yeah. his number one. Yeah, because yeah, she says it, and then she's, like, ready to have sex with him. Yeah, she's proud yeah. of him. I like that, because it's not the, like, usual hysterical portrayal of women oh uh, yeah that it's like she respects his work and is proud of him yeah and they're partners because too she has her own successful jewelry shop yeah so like she's a busy woman too you that's know? right she's got her own shit um, going on and then donnie Wahlberg, who was he he is uh he's the the guy the Vincent. co-worker no he's the one who shoots him oh he's vincent he's a Wahlberg. yes Danny Wahlberg, he wa- he Donnie, I said Danny, <laughs> Donnie Wahlberg of New Kids on the Block, he lost like 20 pounds or 40 pounds or something crazy. For that part? Also like stopped showering to get into the part. And uh, yeah, that's him. Oh. He's, he comes out, they go upstairs to have sex, and then she finds the phone is smashed on the ground and there's like broken glass everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then you see like the shadow that someone's in the other room, in the bathroom. And it's Donnie Wahlberg in his underwear. Mm-hmm. with a gun and then you start to piece together that he was a, a patient of bruce willis's that he failed that he was a child of divorce and brucey just thought that it was a difficult phase that he was going through and that he would you know grow out of it and clearly but he had like he a mood disorder yeah he had a mood disorder as do i <laughs> do you <laughs> yeah i'm bipolar oh watching this movie now too like i'm seeing things like Oh, okay. Um, I looked at it at a different at a different angle because let me. I should I should have maybe led with this. I've seen this movie four times. The first time was when I was twelve, and we 
we all saw when we were young. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I mean, I just to get it out of the way, my experience, which I remember vividly was seeing it in the theaters, but I missed the whole opening. So it wasn't (laughs) until watching it now that I'm like, wow, I really missed a lot. Because like after the fact, people were like, oh, yeah, Bruce Willis gets shot in the opening. So I thought I missed like a quick scene of him getting shot. And then now I was watching it. I was like, this is like 20 minutes. (laughs) That's a lot of the movie I missed. (laughs) You missed a decent. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Yeah. So I wonder Um, if I might have seen the ending coming if I'd actually seen the whole movie. But yeah, I saw it also young. Okay, so you saw it the first time you were 12. Then I saw it. um, (laughs) The second time I saw it, I was actually in a psych ward in 2017 and they let us watch the psych ward and like the story is so crazy and Chris is like you have to tell them because I was like should I tell them like I don't want to freak people out but at the same time it's like if you can't talk about it especially with this movie like I do want to say that it's Marissa Rivera who was our guest on our I know you did last summer in the story yeah well and I it's one of my favorite things about horror and I've said it I I don't feel it as much with The Sixth Sense but certainly with The Exorcist and a bunch of other horror movies is that it really works on a psychological level too that like when you're suffering you know I don't have bipolar disorder but my biological mom did and I've struggled with depression and I'm medicated and and when it's really bad it feels like it's a monster that's taking over it's like I think possession really works as uh, a parable for mental illness totally yes I couldn't have said it better. Yeah, it, you know, and this was like, <laughs> this was like a funnier, like lighter aspect <laughs> of being in the psych ward because. But what I, I'm like so curious, what was it like watching this in a psych ward? Because like, yeah. it's an intense movie. Okay, so this happened after I had a, like. Also, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, but does it then, everybody who's watching is like, yeah, we're not crazy. They thought Haley Joel Osment was crazy too. And look, he's actually. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they ought they to believe They think he's got schizophrenia in um, Yeah. Yeah, they think, which is, like, the ultimate, and honestly, he could, the thing is, like, he could see ghosts and also be <laughs> schizophrenic. True. This is almost too much backstory. Okay, so this was 2017, like, I thought, you know, part of my bipolar is that, like, I go into a delusion called Truman Show Delusion, so I think that I'm on a set, and it it's happened three times now, and, like, now I know enough about it, and I'm, like, medicated, so I know, but at that time... I thought I was in a show. So, like, I shimmied up the wall. This was in Los Encinas psych ward. Before this, Glendale Adventist, I had been there, and then they're like, oh, she's good to go, and they let me out. And then my talent manager, like, came and because I thought I was in a show. So, like, I showed up at a studio, and it was, like, it was crazy. But then my my actual talent manager came and picked me up because they didn't know, like, what to do with me. Like, they called the cops. And it was, like... And so and did you like, have family I'm, out here or you were on your own? I had friends out here. I did not have... I don't have family out here. So it was, like... But I do have, like... I have really good friends that stepped up, like, once they kind of got wind of what was going on. Because, like, I don't know. When you're in the midst of an episode, you don't tell anybody exactly you know because you don't want to freak people out but like I'm thinking all these things are happening yeah um have you ever seen I think it's called Nurse Betty have you seen that yes she has like this a similar it's kind of the opposite she's on a set and she thinks it's all real I need to watch that again because that I that's Renee Mm -hmm. Zellweger right yeah yeah love her too um she's great so I I like shimmed up the wall and I'm thinking like in my head like 
okay, this is my big moment. Like I've escaped the psych ward and I really did like scale up because they let us get like free time in the yard. And this was like the nicer part of the psych ward. And I escaped and I just took off running. And like, I'm in my socks, I'm in a hospital gown, my fucking little wristbands. And like, I, I didn't know where I was going, but I was like, okay, I'm done being in the psych ward now. And I ran about three or four blocks and I like got tired and I got thirsty. And I'm like, I can't keep this up. I'm just gonna knock on a door. I knocked on a random door in the house of a house and a nurse answers the door and there's all these patients behind her. And I was like, what the fuck? Like the set is so big. That's what I was thinking, right? I was like, oh my God, they've continued this world. But what had really happened was Los Encinas is 12 acres like wide. It's like a huge space where other people live. So there's all, so I ended up in the assisted living facility portion of the hospital. (laughs) So I thought I had gotten out and made this like epic escape. So that's leading up to it. (laughs) So I thought I'd made this epic escape and the the nurse was literally like, here, I'm going to give you some orange juice. Just sit down. She put like a towel around me and like they sent, I kid you not, they sent like a young security guard in a golf cart and he came and picked me up from that location and drove me back. And then... And were you like, I don't want to go back? Or you were like, all right, I'm going to keep filming my scenes. Also, that's very much like your well, I was like, yeah, then I was like, fine. Yeah, so I was like, okay, fine. But then they took me to a shittier portion of the hospital, which was like way worse than the spot I was at. Like, I thought I was in a shitty spot, but then like this was like a more of a lockdown situation. They didn't have the outdoors and it was like they immediately like had big guys that like came tackled me <laughs> shot me with uh some type of I don't tranquilizer. know tranquilizer tranquilizer anti something but he was like and that was the first time a doctor was like oh you're having a manic episode because you're he's like this is classic bipolar and believe it or not like <laughs> I had had so many other diagnoses before that like I felt like relieved but it makes sense, the relief at just having something that is tangible and, and checks out. Yeah, and, I, you yeah. know, and throughout the years, like, I went back and forth, like, do I have it, do I not? But, like, yes, I definitely do. I mm-hmm. mean, now I can... But they did that, and, like, I remember being in, like, the shit, the shitty ward, <laughs> and they just had the TV running, and The Sixth Sense was on <laughs> that night at, like, 7 or 8, and I was like... Oh my god! And I got so excited because it like felt like a bit of normalcy. <laughs> like I was like, everyone, we have to watch this. And like I got so stoked. And like the people there that were like the nurses, they had like the bigger guys on this level of the hospital because it was like <laughs> more psychotic patients. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, like I'm like, okay, you know what? They're throwing me a bone here. Let's all watch this movie together. <laughs> and I got everyone together. <laughs> to watch the thing um you're and like I had been... jack nicholson for the baseball game it's been so long but that's, <laughs> i think that's what it is right he's gathering everybody about this getting everyone excited oh my god yes i was yeah. just talking about that too how ratchet is like, gonna be a new thing and they're getting her backstory yeah but yeah it's like i rallied and people watched it i don't remember exactly the response but i i remember getting the ex- I was excited, like, showing somebody something new because there was people in there that hadn't seen it. (laughs) So they didn't know the twist? No! (laughs) 
but yeah, it's been a few trips to the hospital that's taken me to like, I think, stabilize and realize, oh, okay. That was a long tangent that I wasn't sure I was going to take. I'm glad you did. Did you make any friends? Did you stay in touch with anybody from the psych ward? That's the thing. No, I did at first, and then you really shouldn't. (laughs) It's like, it's not a good thing. And Marissa really pushed me because I told her what happened then, and then, like, it happened again in 2019, where I had the same, except this time, like, I ended up being arrested. How did you get arrested? I called the police on the Uber driver that I thought... (laughs) I I just wanted to stop filming. So my whole thing was like, I don't want to film anymore. Like once I get in this dilute, like it happens. um, And I don't want it to sound like it happens all the time, but it has happened three times when I was very sick. So, but I was like, I don't want to film anymore. Like, please. And I asked the Uber drivers, like, are you filming this right now? Like, and he actually couldn't say yes or no because I think some uber drivers do film that but he was so freaked out by my question I was like you're gonna have to pull over like I don't want to film anymore like I'm calling the police (laughs) and I'm not somebody that calls the police on people because I don't typically trust the police in general and now you're not yourself when this is happening yes so they were the police I remember it was a female and a male that came but the female was like pissed she was not having any of it and they um I was running my mouth too I was like he's filming me without my consent like why aren't you talking to him and they're like well what's going on with you blah 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 because I was acting erratically you know and Mm then I ended up getting arrested and um it's still in court right now (laughs) they're dismissing it based off of um it's called like a mental health something. But anyways, yeah. when I was in prison, I thought I was being filmed. And what I did to like finally, like in my final state of psychosis before they're like, oh, maybe she should be hospitalized. Like they kept me in there all night and I was just talking. Oh. And then um, I got naked because I was like, fuck it. I was like, now you guys can't use any of this footage. <laughs> and I was like naked for like a decent amount of time, just like lying in the fetal position. I was like... It was it was pretty awful. But anyways, it just really highlights how fucked up our our like prison systems are. And, you know, like you were clearly somebody who needs help. And if you had been black, would it have been even worse? I mean, already it's like just brutally mishandled. And oh, my God. Yeah. And they I remember them coming in, like laughing at me and thinking I couldn't hear them or it was like common hoax because there became a time then when I was silent and I was just like not and they're like. Nora they were like oh you got a quite a set of lungs on you Nora and they were like making fun of me for like having an episode and I'm I can only assume they thought I was on drugs or I was drunk but I wasn't I was just in the midst of this thing I think it's great that you're talking about all this and you know bringing awareness in a way that Jessica and I could not you know it's not experiences that we've had okay for a lighter thing Marissa did come and visit me And Marissa did point out, which is, like, one of the nicest things. She's, like, honestly, she's, like, for all the shit and, like, the trauma, she's, like, you're hilarious throughout. Because she came and visited (laughs) me. She came and visited me in the psych ward now in 2019 knowing all my friends were, like, making the rounds. Like, I had other friends. My friend Cecile happened to be in from out of town, and they came. And, like, I'm thinking this is just, like, I was, like, all the hot ones are here. I was like, bring in the hot chicks. And it was my friend, Caroline and Cecile. And they came and they're like, just too, like, 
beautiful women. I was like, oh, see why we brought them in, them in, you know, today. And like, so, Token hot chicks. <laughs> a big thing that happened was Marissa... <laughs> Marissa was like trying to argue with me about it, and my friend Jessica knew like you can't, you can't argue. Marissa with me was like I'm trying gonna... to explain to you that it's not. She's like Nora, this is not. And then I was yeah. like, but things kept happening. Like the nurses, I noticed this was at Glendale Adventist. They had um, one of the nurses was wearing a Grey's Anatomy scrub because they sell <laughs> scrubs. I had my one of my first gigs <laughs> in Los Angeles. I was an extra on Grey's Anatomy. They gave me scrubs, and I was here. And so, so you're like, these in, are film scrubs. This is wardrobe. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. I was like Marissa. I was like, I've worked in wardrobe before because I have on a real yeah. set, you know. And I was like, I've worked in wardrobe. I was like, these extras are not even putting in the effort to change their clothes in between. I was like, they just came from Grey's Anatomy and now they're filming on my show. And so I was like doing quality control. And Marissa was like so exhausted, but they thought it was like so funny. And they're like, no, you don't understand. And then Marissa (laughs) said something I'll never forget. She goes, Nora, if we were, and she was exhausted by this point because she was dealing with me and all my shit. And she had like no makeup and Marissa's still beautiful without, but she was like, Nora, if this were being filmed right now, do you think I would come in here looking like this? And she did this whole circle thing around her face. And I was like, that's something your character would say. Those, there's, no there's no arguing. So Marissa, I oh, guess, great. she told me, like, she pulled some of the nurses aside. She's like, look, I have a friend in here. This is her condition. You can't wear these scrubs. <laughs> she told me after, and, like, my friend Jessica told me this, like, when her and Marissa were there, there was a girl there that was also bipolar, and she was, like, this redhead. She just started at Berkeley, and she was, like, just in, in the midst of an episode, and her parents were so sweet and would come in and, like, rub her feet and were, like, very very doting and she was just sitting there like yelling at them loudly like in the midst of an episode she's like I can kill myself if I feel like and this and that and this and that and she was like going on and on and it was making everyone in the visitor room uncomfortable and it kept going and going and um I was like can we go into a private room and they're like no you have to stay in here and I go Christina and she's like and they said she immediately switched she was like yes Nora I was just exhausted this is how they told me I delivered it and I was like you know, you're being really distracting. I'm trying to just talk to my friends. And she like, they said that immediately switched her off. And she was like, I'm so sorry, Nora. This should be a safe space for everyone to talk. Like, I apologize. Wow. And then like Marissa and Jessica were sitting there like, like stunned. And they said, I sat down and I go, it's my show. Like, that's, you know, the abridged version, but there was, was crazy shit that went on. So I, I have... Mean, it's fascinating. It's And it is, I think, like, you know, the things that I find the funniest are really dark. You have to. Yeah. Especially if, you know, you've dealt with some shit. Like, I think it was interesting watching The Sixth Sense and, and realizing because it... Well, actually, starting... Our next episode is Nightmare on Elm Street, and I <gasps> that scared the shit out of me. And I started it now, and it doesn't scare me at all. And I'm like, oh, it's because I've lived through so much trauma. <laughs> yeah. Stuff isn't scary now. Life is. I scary. was really scared to watch this one because I hadn't seen it since 1999. Because it really scared. This is my kind of like 
I've, I'm scared of everything, but I'm really scared of the idea of like ghosts haunting you and bothering you and no one believing you. Yes. Like the powerlessness of like just this like constant trauma. I think that kind of went hand in hand with the, well, too, with the schizophrenia and the just mental illness and severe mental illness in general, you know? And I remember like with schizophrenia, that's like, that's a big one in terms of like, uh, mental disorders like it's pretty severe and I remember like Anderson Cooper did a did a thing um, where he just some he listened to that he put on headphones and it was lit just like what a schizophrenic person experiences like trying to get the experience and it was just somebody whispering in his ears all fucking day and he was like trying to do normal tasks there are moments where i wonder if mental illness is just like the interference of spirits or like uh an ability to tap into a dimension that that reg- most people can't i mean i don't think my depression is that because it it doesn't feel otherworldly it's more just like oh we're all gonna die anyway i might as well get it out of the way and like what am i really going to accomplish and then i think about how fucked the world is and then i want to die so i don't think i have one of the special mental illnesses <laughs> where i'm yeah. like tapping into something but i think some yeah i'm like sometimes like what if they just my mom worked in a psych unit for a little bit and told me about this guy that was schizophrenic who had um he had an elephant friend who would tell him dirty jokes and then he started taking medication and the elephant disappeared and he was really sad and he was lonely. But he had to be so quick. My mom, I don't remember any of them now, but my mom told me some of the jokes. So like he had to be half of him or part of him is like coming up with this joke and the other half of him is just listening to it and reacting to it. And I feel like it's weird because we treat them like, you know, like people are crazy and that makes them lesser than. But actually like you there you have to be so smart to be able to like maintain this illusion it's just working against you there's a i guess there's two a new study my girlfriend just um she works in mental health as well like but she told me i guess there's this there's this thing that exists in um schizophrenic brains that the resting state that the rest of us are able to get when we sleep never turns on for them their their active brain is always on that's exhausting I can't imagine but I also like that's a I feel like the DSM too like the what we used to and this isn't just my opinion this is the opinion of other people too like the whole diagnostic medical DSM is the diag it's the thing that has all the disorders in it but um it's kind of archaic and I think the more we evolve the more like that's going to be thrown out and they're going to like get to the root of more causes of like the conditions in which could be set up in which a person could be triggered by or like what how much of genetics and how much of it is environment you know that's age-old question yeah. I think that the idea of the schizophrenic brain never being able to rest also ties into the sixth sense because I, you know, in throughout the movie, um, Haley Joel Osment sees dead people and he has he builds this like tent that's supposed to be refuge for himself. But sometimes the ghosts can get into the tent. And I, I was thinking while we were watching, while I was watching, while we were all watching together separately, <laughs> um, how like how just being exhausted makes everything worse. And, like, this is a kid who's not getting sleep. And so if you're struggling 
and then you're not sleeping on top of it, everything is just that much more nightmarish. Yeah, I think that's the whole thing, too. Like, you give any sane person, keep them up for, four, mm-hmm. you know, three, four days, like, yeah. you're bound to crack. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You start seeing things. Well, I am excited to, to get into this movie, too. Yeah. Yeah, I realize we've just <laughs> mostly done exposition of my shit. That's where you saw it. That's where you were the second time you saw it. Yep. Third time was actually fairly recently. It was about six months ago because I heard my girlfriend, Melissa, was had never seen it. I was like, you haven't seen it? I was like, do you know the ending? <laughs> and she's like, no. But she, again, is a little bit like she's so even keel and so calm. She was like a bit nonplussed by it and like that she was like well I really liked the ending that it was like uplifting that like everyone finds their thing but she wasn't necessarily like super blown away or scared yeah and then with Marissa (laughs) Marissa was like this isn't a horror film at all and she was like crying (laughs) and that was yesterday oh I definitely cried (laughs) I cried twice in this movie. I cried at the end for the first time because I was like, oh my God. Like there's, and there was moments too when Tony Collette and with Cole and it was like. Oh yeah, that's when I teared up. Good God. Wait, had Marissa never seen it? No, but she knew the end. So I'm seeing, I've seen it with an entire spectrum. (laughs) It's interesting. The horror elements really don't come into play until later in the movie. And I also had that thought of like, this is hardly a horror. But then, you know, there's on the other end of the spectrum, Jessica, who's like, I'm not watching this at night because I won't sleep because I'm terrified. That's what Marissa said too. She's like, I'm not watching this at night with you. But But then she ultimately was like, oh, it's not even a horror. Was she scared in the end? No, she was not. She was like, this isn't a horror. It was really good. and But see, watching it too, as an adult, knowing the ending, it takes so, the edge off. It's like how we watched it in the psych ward and that takes the edge off because you're like, everyone is fucking, you know? <laughs> like, I know, I um, love that your answer for like, what's the scariest thing you've been through or seen? You're like, oh, someone writing the same thing over and over in The Shining, not like being shackled and stabbed and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. I do, yeah, that, God, that's a creepy moment though, right? You're like, oh yeah, in <laughs> The Shining. <laughs> that revelation was But like, also your oh. life. <laughs> that's a creepy <laughs> moment. Oh, my <laughs> life has many creepy moments, yes. Yeah, um, frightening. <laughs> Can I say their dog in this movie is so, so freaking cute. cute. Sebastian, the husky. Oh, I want that husky. Well, and I really believe that. I really believe like cats and dogs have extra senses where they can sense mm-hmm. ghosts and stuff. I st- when my parents got divorced and I stayed with my dad a couple times, I remember he had a cat and I'd never had a cat before. And at night the cat would sleep with me and it would just like come up to me and it would make like the face of like like it could see like it would be looking behind me mm-hmm. like something behind me would be freaking it out and I was like oh my god I don't want to know what you can see that I can't see oh my god whenever Amir's out of town there will be moments where Luke will like stare into the middle distance and then start barking and every time I'm terrified and I'm not really scared of ghosts but in the well I guess in those moments sometimes it's a fear that there's a ghost and sometimes it's like oh somebody's about to break in somebody's outside but that is really scary when you're like you see something that I don't you smell something that I don't what the fuck is happening I do have a ghost story now that I'm remembering Ooh. last year I was living in Glendale with two with um, my two friends, Wilmer and Jason, who I had, like, met. But 
there was another Nora that and they called her ghost Nora that had used to live there and had died in the apartment and she, they <laughs> and they, they weren't were fucking legit, with like, you there was definitely a previous they were I mean yeah and they're like oh yeah ghost Nora and we don't we think she doesn't like gays because like she's been because <laughs> they're married they're like a married couple and they're like they thought she was definitely homophobic because they're like she fucks with our electricity and there was like sometimes and there was times when like I had nightmares about ghost Nora like a presence now I'm remembering but see a nightmare I guess isn't the same as like being up but I do remember like shooting up from the nightmare you know and being like oh shit like is that her communicating and I think too maybe the inception of ghost obviously ghost Nora I wouldn't have known but it might be too from the guys telling me there's <laughs> sure a ghost Nora that's a little homophobic. <laughs> like she's not gonna like any of us then. So <laughs> um, that was when I used to stay with my sister when she lived in Mississippi, and her place was legit haunted. And she would wake up in the middle of the night, and her dog was like a lab would be on the edge of her bed growling, and oh. they would both. They would both be able to hear somebody in the kitchen moving around dishes. I do think dogs can sense animals, I think. Yeah, Yeah, the dishes thing reminds me of when the cabinets are all open. Um, That moment's so great. Where we did that to my friend in high school later. (laughs) (laughs) That moment is so scary. It's so well done because she comes in and is just like annoyed mom, like, ah, your son left a few cabinets open. So she shuts them, goes into the other room, and she comes in and they're all open. It's so and good. she plays that so well. Yes. The way the camera follows her. Mm-hmm. Because she, like, screams and then you see it. That was another thing. There's a lot of single shots. Mm-hmm. Like, one continuous take, which, like, they don't do anymore in films that, like, is so impressive. And, like, how it follows. So it's almost like a play, too. Like, you know, it's, it feels yeah. more real because it's not being cut, cut, cut. Mm-hmm. They had to act the whole thing out and yeah. one and like it's just so good yeah well it's like the big the basic premise is that bruce willis is this like child psychologist or something like that and he gets shot by donnie Wahlberg, who's a patient grown up who says you didn't help me and then donnie Wahlberg kills himself and then it cuts to a year later and he meets Haley joel osmond who's cole seer and he has similar Uh, things that were in the case of Donnie Wahlberg's character. So he thinks maybe if I help this kid get through this, then it's like I helped him. And it's funny, as we first see that intro, it's like um, Haley Joel Osment's leaving the house and Bruce Willis is like looking at a file on a park bench outside. And already I'm going like, that's not how you meet your therapist or your child psychologist. They don't just (laughs) sit outside your house. Like, what is this? But okay. (laughs) And then you follow them to a church. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. You just follow them. He goes to a church where he's like playing with these little figurines and speaking to himself in Latin, which is not at all creepy, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and Bruce Willis has a great head for Latin because later he looks up the exact phrase. Whereas to me, I would just be like, he said, like Bruce Willis remembers the exact phrase. I didn't even, I'm watching the movie and I couldn't figure out what it was to even write down the actual Latin phrase. Yeah. Yeah, and we can rewind, but he just does it with nothing. <laughs> it's that like ghost memory. It's tr- yeah, and then uh, okay, yeah. There was a lot of things to now looking back. I was like, all right, he's and when he's doing the guessing game too, when he's first 
mm-hmm. when he's like trying to gain his trust. I even took so context note for that is the the kid blows off Bruce Willis, but eventually when he comes home, there's the child psychologist waiting for him. Again, not a thing they do. They don't just like wait at your house. Yeah, <laughs> but he's with but he's with his mother. Still. Like that's why this stuff is so compelling. But yeah, they well, make I it. saw. I mean, I I had. I saw a child therapist. I was put in therapy as a... And they as, came to your house? At, um, no, we had to go somewhere. Yeah, but it was that's what's normal. For a similar thing of, like, my parents got divorced, so then all of a sudden... Because, like, that's what... He goes to Haley Joel Osment because it's like his parents are divorced. He's socially isolated. Right. But they don't come to your house, and they're not just, like, waiting there at night. <laughs> but well, okay. Saw, I'm like, I find it because <laughs> I saw my child therapist at night. You did at night? Yeah. It was always at night because my mom was working. So we'd have to go like – it was always at like 8 o'clock or something crazy. Oh, that's pretty late. Yeah, that's yeah. late. But still, the house and nighttime to me, I'm just like, this is very weird. You need better boundaries as a child psychologist. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> so then – I See, I buy it because he's sitting with the mom. Like that's where some of that stuff is so well set up where he's sitting across from Tony Collette and they're facing each other but they're not talking. Yeah. And then when Haley that was my mom, I remember my mom when she saw that she's like that was a part that she thought gave it away when we were Uh. when I saw she's like oh because they were sitting together and not saying anything and like that was a distinct moment. But what fucks you up is later when he does the thing with the baseball or the window breaks. Mm -hmm. That's brilliant because you're assuming it's him because you've seen him walking away. Bruce Willis when he's jealous of the wife. Yeah, isn't it him, though? I think it is. That's my question, too. So this is an interesting world, because I don't know, I don't know, go science. But <laughs> a lot of times... <laughs> right, you know, like, like when he's putting feel... on his jacket, or I'm like, how much can he actually touch and influence That's versus, Well, so, yeah. like, with The Shining, it's, like, pictures in a book. The ghosts can't hurt you, they're pictures in a book. But in this world, like, going through the evidence, I think ghosts can hurt you and touch stuff, because he's got scratches all over him, mm-hmm. he's got bruises on his back, yeah. the grandmother keeps moving the bumblebee pendant and putting it from yeah. one room into another it's room. Sure. Yeah. Very the Misha ghosts. Barton... <laughs> yeah, Misha Barton's able to, like, push a box out to him. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, God. So good. Like, there's a few things where I was like, oh, I guess ghosts in this world can, like, throw a rock through a window or something. And like, they are kind of dangerous. where they have to, like, train themselves to do it. They just know how. <laughs> there's Wait, no ghost what? training. Like, in Ghost, yeah. it's been so long since I've seen it, but I remember they have to, like, learn how to move objects and how to grasp objects in their ghostly form. Push the penny. Here... You gotta push the penny. God, yeah, here they so just long. know how to do it. Well, these ghosts are all, I think, in dire need of some someone to help them yeah. transition, which I guess is why they go to him, mm-hmm. because that was an interesting aspect, too. Like, he's not seeking these things out, and he can't stop them from coming and appearing to him so like the ultimate thing was he had to change his behavior and his outlook towards it mm-hmm. which was i do think like a good, like you're not he's not gonna escape these ghosts or whatever or but he's managed to like make peace with it and that was like a very yeah. too like john Na- like you saw a beautiful mind with russell crowe it mm-hmm, was yeah. reminiscent of that and that's a it's real been story. so long and, like yeah i have i've seen it Russell Crowe plays John Nash. He's a mathematician who had schizophrenia, and like it was, he won the Nobel. Uh, fact check me. I think it's the Nobel Prize or whatever. But he um, figures out in his mind that he has schizophrenia because the people that he's seen don't age. Hmm. So like 
that was a big thing. And for I feel like somehow this tie like it ties into it really dovetails like, okay, he could be schizophrenic, but he also does ghosts. So it was like <laughs> both possibilities are very real. Yeah. Which is He's getting information that he probably couldn't have made up on his own. Like about the history of the school building or like well, the teacher. teacher stuttering Stanley. Stuttering Stanley. Stanley. Like somebody that, must yeah. have told him. You know, so he, he picks up on things that, that we don't believe he could possibly make up. Mm-hmm. I think Tony Collette is my favorite part of this movie. Especially like getting older and stuff and like having more perspective on like your parents and like what makes a good parent. He's so scared to tell her what's wrong with him because he feels so isolated from everybody else and she's the only person that doesn't look at him like he's different. Mm -hmm. And every time she's like, look at my face. Look at my face. Could I, am I I mad at you? It was so sweet. Well, and he's always like checking in with her. Like, do you like, do you think I'm a freak now? Do you like, do you still love me? I it's could never so sad. Think a freak. Yeah. I really, one of the scenes that, that made me really sad is where she basically sends him to his room without letting him finish dinner because she thinks he's lying about moving this pin. And you're like, but he's not moving the pin. <laughs> Believe that was him. The oh, one. No. I got so worked up, I knocked out my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> That's so upsetting. The scene right after is so good, though. What was oh, the sorry. scene after that, then? Where he gets spooked because there's that 70s kid that walks into his room and oh, is like, yeah. hey, want me to show you where my my dad keeps his gun? The dog runs out terrified and is hiding and she's trying to coax the dog out. And he comes into that room and is like, I really want to sleep with you. Do you Are you mad at me enough that you aren't going to let me sleep with you? <laughs> I don't know why. I, don't, I really want to sleep with you made it sound like he's trying to fuck his mom <laughs> to me right now. No. Dude, like, can I sleep so in your scared. bed? Can I sleep in your bed, he's saying. Yeah. yeah. Can I can... <laughs> I but really like, want to sleep at, with like, you. Are you mad at me enough that you won't let me sleep in your bed? Yeah. yeah. Oh, That's he's so, so precious. Yeah. And she accepts him. She's like, no, of course not. Like, yeah. she hugs him. And it's just that unconditional love of, like, she could be – the mother that's bitter, that's like, I work two jobs and this is the bullshit you're like, go to your room, I don't want to see you again. I'm so mad because there you look like your father or whatever. But but then she always comes Which back. I appreciate though, because she at least keeps it real with him because like that's his character isn't somebody that should be really condescended to in yeah. a way that like adults have. And I think yeah. like she's like I like that she doesn't bullshit him. She's like, look, it's just you and me. Like there's nobody else coming. So here it is. But I still love you. So it was like the tough love, like, yeah. she has to fill all the needs in his life, all the emotional needs in his life. But she's such know? a cheerleader for him, too. I love, yes. There's a, that moment, he's the lead in the play, and she misses it, and he's sort of being quiet because he has, you know, news that he's scared to break. But she's like, are you mad because I didn't come to your play? I work two jobs. And that was one moment where I'm like, that's fair, you work two jobs, but, like, it's also fair that he's going to be sad. But then she's like, I would have given anything to be there. And I'm like, all right. So there are moments and where it's like kind of And then it's the dance love. recital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then right after they talk about that. God, yeah. that scene. So I think that's one of the best there. scenes in the film when they're oh, both I in the car. Oh, I think that is the best scene. Yeah. I think that was my problem watching it again this time. Is that my problem? Uh, I loved the movie. My problem was that uh, the movie is so good and you get all this closure on Haley Joel Osment who's being terrorized by ghosts and then he has to like basically face it and help them work through whatever they're going through. And then he has this like 
great moment with Tony Collette where I was bawling my eyes out that when we then get to Bruce Willis with his big reveal, I was like, oh, it's not as good as that moment with Tony Collette and Haley DeLogman. <laughs> like, I almost wanted, sir. like, yeah, I almost wanted <laughs> the scenes to be, like, flipped because well, and I, keep, it was like an afterthought. They keep, in that scene with Bruce Willis at the end, they, like, keep showing that actress Olivia... Um, Williams yeah Olivia Williams with like the breath coming out and her asleep and it's like we get it they show that to us like seven times I'm like I get it he's a ghost and that's why there's it's cold you know like it's just felt a little too much one of my favorite moments in this movie I wish I could remember the exact dialogue leading up to it I wrote down the exact line but in uh the the wife Olivia Williams's ring store or jewelry store when they're looking for an engagement ring and she's selling them on this one ring and talking about how it's sort of like the one that got away she'll always think of this one guy and then the fiance to be like the would-be fiance goes did he have wavy hair and chestnut eyes and the husband's like what I wrote I that, that down because it was such a nice relief like reprise yeah yeah <laughs> from like he did do a good balance of like putting in comedic elements like that yeah. were just like okay, yeah I can breathe and process what I've just seen you know mm-hmm. like that was a great one well, also the penny trick I love mm-hmm. uh Bruce Willis shows him like this penny magic trick mm-hmm. and Haley Joel Osment is so like flat at that point where he's like I didn't know you were funny but he's not mm-hmm. laughing, but he yeah. says it like, I didn't know you were funny. And then he shows the trick later to somebody else, and the person's like, that's stupid. And he's like, no, it's supposed to be funny. <laughs> and I'm that totally made me that laugh. Kid. I was that kid, too. I'm like, this is dumb. And then, like, it was... Yeah. I totally related to that, too. Like, I'm not going to show you that I'm impressed, but it's under my skin, and I'm going to try it on someone else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just told my niece, uh, she's 12, and I just told her this. She's annoyed with everything, I think. Here's the joke. Can you believe they're still together after all the shit they've been through? Who? Your butt cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> I told her that and she was she's like, you're annoying. Like, I just heard that on the phone. But I know she's going to tell that to her friend. <laughs> so gradually... Uh, Haley Joel Osment, who is a fucking marvel, he's so good in this movie, reveals to the child psychologist that he sees dead people. And initially, uh, Bruce Willis thinks that, yeah, he's got just a, a mood disorder that maybe he's schizophrenic. And then he comes to believe him because he listens to an old tape with his old patient. And when he leaves the room, he can hear somebody else in the room, even though I'm presumably in his memory, nobody else was there. And this guy's also maybe speaking Latin. I couldn't tell what No, he's speaking Spanish. Oh, okay, Spanish. I couldn't remember. That, to me, I thought was evidence that the ghosts were real. Yeah, which feels a right. little convenient to me. Uh, okay, you go back to this one tape, and you just happen to hear a ghost recording on that no, tape. No, because but the maybe ghosts because are always, ghost. as Haley Joel Osment says, they're always there. They're always there, yeah. But you can't always hear them if you're not Haley Joel Osment. Well, if you're recording it, you probably can. Well, <laughs> I don't know. That scene really... There were three scenes in this movie that scared the shit out of me. That is one of them. That one stuck with me for a long time because I remember years and years ago, my mom was going to Europe and she was going to be sharing a room with a colleague. And she was like, I need to tape myself at night because I want to see if I snore and if I snore, how bad it is since I'm going to be sharing a room with somebody. And I was like, ooh, (laughs) I wouldn't do that. She's like, why? And I was like, because you don't know what else you're going to be recording when you're sleeping. 
And then I told her the Sixth Sense thing of like, remember that scene in the Sixth Sense when like he rewinds and there's a ghost on the tape? And my mom was like, okay, good idea. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you made a very logical argument. She heard you out and you persuaded her. It's so creepy. Exciting I mean, I feel the same way about like recording stuff. Yes. <laughs> that scene is so creepy. Then he believes him. Then he's on board. And just to kind of walk us through to get to the end of the movie, this is sort of where, where Bruce Willis starts to say, maybe they need something. Maybe they need your help. And so a young Misha Barton appears inside of his tent that says keep out and is throwing up and he listens to her to see what she might need and they follow her back to her funeral. So because her funeral is like the ne- or the wake, the, the after party for the funeral, um, because this is so recent, it's, it stands to reason that she died and then immediately like made the voyage to Haley Joel Osment. So I don't know if he likes releases like a beacon or something but somehow dead people know that he can see them and to show up for him even though a lot of them don't know he's yeah, dead yeah luckily we don't go into the science because i think oh, no, that would dead. ruin it yeah yeah okay well because bruce willis seeks him out but but bruce willis is a year later so it could also like he, bruce willis has been dead for a long time right before yeah. he finally seeks out Haley joel osmond so it could be like also based on need of like you know if you're lost and you're wandering and you need you've unfinished business like hers was urgent because she wanted to save her sister yeah but so then i wonder too does she know that she's dead it seems like she does and she's trying to be like here you go my mom killed me help help but i wonder if she knew she was dead because she was recording the thing like if she knew that it was coming. So basically, she's throwing up, and we find out that her mother has Munchausen's by proxy. By proxy, yeah. Which, oh, I have, yeah. Yeah. So she's poisoning her soup and making her sicker, and then we find out at the funeral, they say, oh, her little sister is also sick now, too. Can you believe it? Right, so she's um, trying to save her sister. Yeah, and the Misha Barton had set up a video camera to capture the fact that her mother was poisoning her. So maybe she knew she was dying. Yeah. The thing is, she, okay... You think she set it up explicitly? I thought she was just taping a show. She thought she was taping a little show and then it was happenstance. You think Misha Barton purposely recorded her mother doing that because she knew her mother was doing it? Or do you... I thought that was an accident and then Misha Barton, the reason she had to... I think you're right, Nora. I mean, I think she, she was aware, probably, but maybe... Yeah, maybe she wasn't aware. I don't think she was aware. And, yeah. Oh, I have, well, she like, was aware we- enough after the fact, so maybe she had right. seen the tape. Because she does tell Haley Joel Osment about it. Right. Yeah, maybe she just was... It seems like she's not allowed to, like, go out and play. She's not allowed to, like, do normal kid things because she has to be sick in bed. So it's a secret that she's, like, doing this little dollhouse this act out they're not play. dolls. this little play with like puppets, marionettes it's a puppet show. they're really creepy i mean i guess it makes sense but at first when you see her room with all the marionettes and clowns i'm like this is a creepy ass room for a teen or prepubescent girl <laughs> jeez marionettes are always creepy because they're on strings so they move yeah there's like a slow <laughs> and they're like pseudo clown looking i think there might have been clowns in the room too or they just look like clowns they're just creepy well and the mother by the way, she's wearing bright red, red to her daughter's I funeral. <laughs> I wrote that down. I think it's so funny that like, everyone is in this black. bitch. Yeah. Her mom's dressed like, here I am, bitches. Like, it's her big coming out party. <laughs> uh, Munchausen by proxy. I've known that term for a long time because, like, my dad used to, like, work for the state and he did social work. And so 
he had a case and like explained what it was and then I like didn't fully understand and then my sister and I watched a Lifetime movie and I want (laughs) to say it's Judith Light in it but I can't be sure but it's like a (laughs) Lifetime movie in the 90s and the mom poisons her or whatever and I was so freaked out by that and I wanted and then I accused my mom when I was young of having Munchausen by proxy because she took me I had to like go get um blood drawn and I like hated needles and like I remember I was like you have Munchausen by proxy and like I and it was like a story in my family for years because it was like remember that time you accused your mom of having Munchausen by proxy when you're you know in elementary school sorry this is the Munchausen scene is like a loaded scene in terms of like no yeah. that I my mother did not have Munchausen by proxy but I have a lot Thank of goodness. experience and <laughs> researching and I knew, knew you know yeah well in, in a parallel life you sort of had the experience even though it wasn't real you thought it was happening yeah I thought that was happening for sure so it was like uh, it seems like that's sort of what's happening with some of like Kanye's public outbursts is that he has untreated bipolar and he's like lashing out at people for doing things and then a few days later is like I'm sorry I was wrong that's not true Um, I didn't mean yeah he said I've been following him actually a bit more closely too because you can tell he's like now that I can look at it from a more objective standpoint with perspective and you know like I'm on the right meds I don't I stop drinking like you can look and be like oh, this person is clearly, clearly having a manic episode, you know, like, and I don't, and I can see it because I have bipolar, but like, I think to the public, he just looks like a complete asshole. Right. Don't want to get too far off topic, but after you had a few episodes, you were on meds, but you had another episode too. Do you think it was just not the right meds or you think that it just, there's a possibility even with the right cocktail that you know, it's still going to happen from time to time. I've had so many different therapists, like, over the years, and it's hard to, like, start with, you have to, like, tell them the story from the beginning, so it takes, like, five sessions just to, like, get Get caught up. up. No, I've had Um, that. I had to be hospitalized when I was in Chicago, because in 2017, they put me on lithium, and the thing is, like, I don't react well to lithium. Like, I have a friend that's bipolar that, like, she's, like, lithium saved my life. But, like, it put me in a really weird spin. And I had to be rehospitalized again in Chicago. It was really tricky because I was being told by different right. people different things. Conflicting information is really hard. And you don't know because it's, like, things manifest differently for different people. And, like you said, medications affect people totally differently. 2019, it happened again. And finally, it was like, no, 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 you you do have bipolar for sure. I take a small do- oh, I I take a small dose of Seroquel, which is an antipsychotic, and it's and then I take Zoloft and um, I also take Xanax at night, like one milligram, just for like restful sleep. But that seems to be a good cocktail. Well, and anytime, even if you find the right medication, the adjustment to it takes a while. So you don't know for like three weeks if it's the right fit even. So you have to be like stable to try new meds and then they might not even be the right meds. Exactly. And I mean, you said you, you take medication as well. I had, and it's weird because even like good doctors oftentimes just are clueless. Like I had, I took, I started taking meds when I was like 11 I was on antidepressants, so I took Same. Wellbutrin. 12. Zoloft. Yeah, I started on Zoloft, and I got stomach aches, and then I switched to Wellbutrin. Um, and Zoloft is in this movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I like how it's shown like a warning, like Zola. Yes. <laughs> God forbid somebody also, thinks Zola. I realized that they put underneath it antidepressant in big letters because I was like, oh, right, because re- regular people don't know immediately. Is that Zola what Zola means? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> but I had, um, I've wanted to switch things up because I wasn't doing too great. I was like pretty anxious. And my psychiatrist had said there was something called a plensin. And I don't want to, uh, to be clear, I'm not like shit talking a plensin because it probably will work really well for some people, but it is that thing where you just can't predict. Um, and a plensin is supposed to be basically Wellbutrin, but with an updated delivery mechanism. And because it's so new, they can't give you the generic. So you, the insurance has to give you the name brand. So we, she was like, well, let's try a, a plensin. It's basically the same thing, but it's like the name brand. And, you know, it's just going to probably be a little bit more effective. And I started having, um, I mean, I thought a lot about killing myself. I was like lashing out at everybody around me. And I didn't connect that it was the medication, even though saying it now, it seems so obvious, but because it was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is the same thing you've taken for 20 years. It was like, not that. And even my psychiatrist didn't connect it. She just prescribed me, not Xanax, but something similar for panic attacks, basically. And then it was Chloe, our friend. And she was the only <laughs> one who was like, I think that this might be the new meds that you're taking. Like, she was the only one to put it together and it saved me. I was like, really? Do you think so? She was like, yeah, I think... The Wellbutrin probably was making you anxious to begin with. And this version, like, you normally don't feel this way, right? When did it start? And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess it did start around three weeks after I started taking this medication. And then now I'm on Prozac, and that's been good so far for the most part. Oh, good for you. My dog takes Prozac. (laughs) It's helped her a lot. Yay. Yeah, we're very pro getting the help you need on this pod. Yes. (laughs) And I'm, uh, you know, I guess we should all say, you know, no, I'm not. I can't say all bipolar people should take XYZ medication. Yeah. Right. I'm just endorsing my own. I'm just telling right. you my own. And the experience. point is to keep looking, right? Like if you if it's not that, try something else and, you know. It's yeah, the constant and it's it's also like I'm sure you felt this like allowing yourself to be like it feels like allowing yourself to be a guinea pig, but like doctors are really just guessing. Mhm. Yeah. And it's like the doctor in the movie and <laughs> success like yeah like i don't know right like, the like doctor, what's wrong with him yeah and he in this movie starts to think because of the marks on his body that maybe his mom is physically abusing him and and in this movie it's so frustrating because you're like no tony collette would never do that but then in life yeah. sometimes it's the opposite where the doctors are like oh he's making this up and meanwhile you know or like uh, yeah in the case of bringing it back full circle to Misha Barton in this movie, like her doctors are clearly not realizing that her mom is poisoning her. And there's like chatter yeah. at the funeral where people are like, they say something along the lines of, yeah, they took her to seven doctors or whatever it is. And, you know, mm-hmm. nobody knows what's wrong. And sometimes people don't, you know, suffer from chronic depression. Like we saw in this movie, they're going through something and people will take antidepressants temporarily. And there's no shame in that either. Like, like mm-hmm. the Zoloft for Mrs. Bruce Willis. In this movie. Because she's a widow. (laughs) Yeah. For Mrs. Bruce Willis. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's a widow and she's she's having a hard time, even though her her cute coworker is trying to smash. I he was annoying to me until the end, and I think he was reminiscent of the teacher. And I don't Mm. know if that was done on purpose, but didn't they seem like the same type? Yeah, I at one point thought they were the same person for like a brief moment. I wonder if that was done on purpose because I feel like the guy, you you don't like the teacher and you don't like the guy at first and then they redeem themselves by the end because yeah. you realize like the full scope. Yeah. 
I like the teacher. I felt like, oh, he got I picked on. I loved him at the end. Yeah. It's such a tight script, and it's such tightly editing, so that we have this whole thing of these ghosts are scary, especially the scene uh, when he's in the school, and he stops, and he looks, and there's, like, these three hanging ghosts. And when I first mm-hmm. saw this movie, I saw it with my friend Katie Grimes in, like, sixth or seventh grade. And that scene, we went and saw it at a movie theater that was, like, empty, basically. And I went to the bathroom right before that happened. And so she was alone in the theater for, like, the three hanging ghosts. And I came back, and she was like, how dare you leave? That, <laughs> that scene is scary. That's how dare you leave? Oh, my God. But that scene is really scary because he also yes. the kid is the kid is like I'm scared like I want help are you going to help me and he's really scared of all these ghosts and they're really mean and then the script is so tight that by the end all we get to show us everything is okay is that scene where he's getting his like makeup tips from the ghost but we think it's like another teacher yeah that's until so well stuttering stanley's like uh who are you talking to and he's like nobody just and you see her tell half of her face is burnt. Oh. And he's like, you know, there was a fire here when I went to school here. He's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I so. thought it ended. Ni- and I like how they were like, let's just say we'll see you tomorrow. Mm. I like, cried at that they part. Couldn't end Can it, we just pretend? Like, yeah, yeah, that was really sweet. Well, and in the play, so he gets to be the lead in the play. Mm-hmm. And at the end, he's like pulling the sword out of the stone. And then all the kids lift him up on their shoulders. And it's like in the beginning mm-hmm. when he and Tony Collette are sharing like this imaginative greatest day of their lives. And it's all the kids carry him on their shoulders. I cried at that too. Yeah, he sort of gets to live it. It's so sweet. It was, that point forward was a lot of emotions for me. I was crying. Okay, and not then to ruin it. In the, but yeah. what child therapist is going to your fucking play? That does not happen. Just saying. My my therapist came to my comedy show. Well, she really? got tickets to she got tickets to it, and then she couldn't come that night. But she had me send her a YouTube tape. <laughs> she bought tickets for her and her son. I will say that's like, very nice. At one point, I had a therapist. Like yeah, a couple years ago. But I'm like, I think it happens. But then I'm like, is it nice or is it crossing a line? I don't know, but it sounds nice. But Bruce shocked, Willis is really okay. invested because he's, invested he's trying to he's trying to save Donnie Wahlberg. He's trying to not he let history where he wasn't paying enough attention. So he is like, and he's also like a surrogate father to him. Yeah, and he even says yes. to him, I feel like if I can help you, it'll be like helping this other guy at the same time. Which is a lot of pressure to say to a kid. Yeah, and also a lot of pressure to put on yourself. <laughs> Also, I think Haley Jawsman, you there was nothing you could throw at him at that point that was going to, like, <laughs> that kid's been through the fucking ringer. Yeah. Poor Cole. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. Poor Cole. He has, like, no stability. There's nothing, you know. He's seen yeah. ghosts. Ugh, the kids that, like, lock him in that cabinet with a ghost. Ugh. They're monsters. That scene is so scary, and it starts with, like, a, a red, balloon red balloon floating up. Mm-hmm. Which yes. I was immediately like, great, this is uh, re- very reminiscent of Stephen King's It, which yeah, is like totally. the red balloon always. Which I'm like, why are you following that red balloon? Don't you know better at this point? <laughs> Don't you not want to see whatever ghost is up there? Don't you know better, you you 10-year-old child? Yeah, but he's been so scared because he's seeing them everywhere. I'm like, maybe don't follow the creepy balloon. That might not Ugh, lead so, you where you want to be. It's such a good shot, though. That staircase. It's so scary. It's, the movie's so beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. What I really liked is that I noticed this time is all of the fade in and fade outs mm-hmm. because Bruce Willis is a ghost and he can't tell time. Wait, That's right. 
I don't Because time doesn't exist in that realm. Yeah, so we don't ever see Bruce Willis, like, you know, it'll be like him going to open the door and then it, like, fades out. Or it's like, you know, and then he just just ends up in the room or he just ends up with Haley Joel Osment or he just ends up here because he's a ghost and he doesn't have, like, you know, especially, like, when he gets to the restaurant and stuff and he's like, I lost track of time. It's like he doesn't have any sense of time because he doesn't know he's dead. Right. You don't see that in a lot of movies, though, the fade in and fade out. It's what, like uh, you, you might see it once in a movie, but the, it's, on, it's in this movie like six times. There are a lot. What, what, how does that tie into the door for you? I don't follow that. Because he can never get into the door, and we find out at the end it's because there is a dresser or table in front of it. I didn't totally but he understand he always ends that. up down in the basement. At first I thought it was because of him getting shot, but he doesn't get shot in the basement. So why is the, why is the basement like closed off? Uh, well, she, I don't know why she put I it down there. I think she closed it off because he used to do his work down there, right? And that's that where the be. wine is? Yeah, I thought that's where the wine is. So and all of his boxes are down there. So maybe she put all of his stuff down there and then was like, I don't, I can't deal with this. Yeah, I think his stuff is down there because I remember him looking through a file. Um, yeah, that's where he gets the Latin. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's all of his stuff is in there now. So she's sort of like blocking it off to try to separate and not think about him so much. Well, also shows, yeah, like, and that much time has passed then from where, yeah. when he left. Also, she's already sellers are creepy. Somebody. Yes. Sellers are creepy and it's not bad to put something in front of it if you live alone. I, and is I, she already I, dating yeah. somebody? It seems like they're sort of starting to, she's sort of starting to warm up to him. But I didn't get that they were necessarily. Yeah, I think well, they're leaving the house dancing. and stuff. Yeah, they're, it's, they're. They're what? They're tap dancing around it. <laughs> <laughs> They're yeah, inching closer. around that romance. Because you know, he's trying to ask to her out, and she's not ready. Yes. Yeah. She deserves happiness, and I think Malcolm would Instead. want that. Yeah. Instead, she's watching that wedding video every night, oh which my is gosh, so depressing. So sad. I think that Turn also would have Turn off the video. Like, it just seems so weird that they would be not really talking or fighting, and also he tells... Haley Joel Osment that she's upset because he puts his work first but we do see in the opening scene that she's like not really upset about him putting work first I guess maybe after getting shot you could change your mind but it seems like to me like that would tip it the idea that well and to your point maybe she's so upset because now he's putting it even more first and he's going to school plays and he's showing up at the kid's house and he's missing right. anniversaries right <laughs> he's too That's invested true. yeah <laughs> i did get mad at him when he changed his mind because early on he's like swearing to cole Haley joel osmond i'm gonna help you i'm gonna and and cole we later find out for good reason thinks that this is the only person who can help him because this is also like his connection to the ghost world so it's like a child psychologist who happens to be a ghost jackpot but then he changes his mind and is like i have to start showing up for my own family i can't keep you know putting so this that actually made things. it so much scarier to me like the idea that that this whole time we've been with a ghost, it mm-hmm. just made it so much creepier. Like, poor Haley Joel Osment really can't ever get a minute alone. When he's like, they're everywhere. It's like, they yes. really are always there. Because this motherfucker is following him to school plays and, like, showing up at his house. Like, yes, that's but so eventually creepy. you get that, like, this is the one welcome ghost. That, like, he doesn't no, want get the other that, ghosts around. No, I get that, but it's around. still creepy to me. It's still creepy, but it's worse to lose him. Like, this is the one good ghost who's, like, helping me try to figure it out. And now he's like, just kidding, I'm going to show up for my family even though they can't see me because I'm dead you know I think yeah well oh what I said at the beginning too I like that it the 
movie is told literally from the standpoint of a delusional ghost for the most part. (laughs) So like that world is like, you have to accept that that's his world is real. And like that it like all the worlds coincide and they could coexist. And that's how it's shown. It's true. Yeah. It is. And everyone gets some type of, I mean, there's no such thing as closure. You get some form of it. You get tools. I was trying to remember and I couldn't. I'm like, how does he finally put it together that he's a ghost and it's because his wife drops a wedding ring mm-hmm. and he looks at her hand and she's still wearing her wedding ring and her engagement ring so he picks it up so he looks at his own hand and he's not wearing a wedding ring and that's when it clicks and then they give you all the flashbacks of like him showing up late to the anniversary dinner and her saying happy anniversary to no one even though we thought it was to him and uh, all the single place settings at the table yeah that was scary then because then i even wrote this down like the voice over of like Haley joel osmond like they don't know their death this and this and it's like that whisper <laughs> yeah. dialogue he does and then it's like they show that over then the montage of like oh 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 like every <laughs> every time like he's fucking dead but like I remember that being really scary too like initially when you first watch it like right whereas now it does feel I agree with Marissa it's much more like I don't know like a drama it's sort of this like I'm still scared Mm -hmm. I I still feel like it's a whore the part when Misha Barton he's in Misha Barton's room and he's standing by her bed and he's kind of looking around and then a hand comes out from under the bed and grabs him I jumped that got me this time that got me too and yeah and then she's like crouched under and she's wearing a dress not dissimilar from the shining twins i didn't notice you're right she's like under the bed like that oh and it's like lady he's here to help you maybe be like a little bit cooler when you're getting in the <laughs> maybe dungeon. present yourself in a less <laughs> horrific way you might yeah, he's the, the only one that can see yeah. you maybe be a little just been nicer. sitting on the bed yeah <laughs> Like, would you want to help ghosts after that? Yeah. Be like, hello, thank you for coming. I really appreciate your help. Not like thank grab for- his arm yeah, or also, ankle. Take a toy. Is there any toys you want? Like, thanks yeah. for making the journey. Yeah, right. She's like, give this to Especially my sister. When you go- but she could be like, here, take something nice for yourself. <laughs> take a little off the top. Yeah. Um, but it's creepy, too, when you go back and you realize that he, that poor kid rode a city bus by Alone. himself to the middle to of nowhere. To a funeral, and nobody questioned him. And he's just like, oh, are you the dad? Here's a tape. Your dead daughter left me of your wife, like, and then he just leaves. <laughs> In my but mind, it's... I thought there were cops that came and arrested her, but that didn't happen. So I made that I'm up. I'm glad it didn't happen. <laughs> I feel like we, the movie is so tight that we just have the information we need. Yeah. We yeah, don't need the, anything uh-huh. extra. That's true. Yeah. My last thought on the movie is the whole ending part. So I was crying when he says the whole thing about, like, can we just pretend we're going to see each other tomorrow? And then it cuts to that beautiful scene of him with Tony Collette where he explains that mm-hmm. he can see dead people and... He uses the grandmother as proof. But before that, he goes, I'm crying. And he's like, she's like, I hope nobody got hurt in this accident because they're in the traffic accident. And he's like, somebody did get hurt. Somebody died. And she's like, how do you know that? Can you see? And he's like, no, she's standing in front of my window. And then it cuts back and you see this like ghost next to his window. And I screamed and I jumped at that too. (laughs) And then it's like this beautiful moment with the grandmother 
and I'm crying. So I was like, I am just going back and forth on these emotions. Like I'm mm-hmm. feeling everything. <laughs> it's so effective. It's true. I'm it's screaming. Really I'm, good I'm crying. I mean, honestly, and the acting. The, I think the acting really makes the it acting work. sells it. Yeah, like that yeah. scene. Oh, when she's like, do I make her proud? Like, I'll never, like, I'll... Yeah, he says, uh, Grandma says that you came to where she was buried and you asked a question, and the answer is every day. What was, what was the question? Do I make, do I make her proud? Her oh, proud. and the way she delivers Crying. that, holy Jesus Christ. Something about it reminds me of Cher from Clueless. And not Cher, Ty in Clueless. Something about the delivery and the accent. It's like uh, <laughs> when when she's like burning the Rolling with the Homies tapes. And it's like, this was our favorite song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> rolling with the Homies. Yeah, I remember Ty like has her catharsis and she like burns all the Elton stuff. Elton. Elton. Yeah. <laughs> she reminds me so much of that. Same Do accent. I make you proud? I was just like, it's Ty. <laughs> Okay, do you guys have any theories on why Cole can see dead people? I think you're just born with it. I think it's just a gift. Hmm. It's a A gift gift slash curse. curse. Yeah, Mm -hmm. jinx. Like most gifts. Yep. All right. Oh, and there's also that really cool part when she looks at all the photographs early on and we see that there's always like a glimmer kind of thing next to him. Yeah. That it's always been there. Because there's that interesting question where Bruce Willis early on says like, did you have any problems before your dad left and Haley Joel Osment says I don't remember as if he's to say like whatever is wrong with you started after your dad right. after the divorce like mm-hmm. it's just the divorce and then when you see that picture of him and it's it's like no it's always been there it's his yeah. whole life who do you guys think you are in this movie I'm Cole I'm Bruce Willis and obviously I'm Misha Barton <laughs> go on <laughs> <laughs> Um, That's a really satisfying answer. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you in this movie? Jessica, do you have an answer prepared? Why don't I have one? Uh, I, I'd probably be Tony Collette. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to think that I'm a very like nurturing, loving person and that I would just, even in like moments of anger, would be willing to like open my arms and be like, it's okay. Like I always have that relationship with my mom where like I can get so mad at her, but if she is like not doing well or something I'm it's just gone all that's yeah. gone so I, I relate a lot to that I'm just it's you know unconditional love I am the ghost at the end that's doing his makeup instead of like <laughs> dealing with my trauma I'm just in <laughs> denial about whatever I'm going through and I'm like You're let's just, coaching just focus <laughs> on making you look nice tonight and if I ignore my own issues they'll just go away right that's the one that I am <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for I love on. that ghost at the end she's thank so sweet thank you for yes. having me and thanks for being so open also, and also kind vulnerable. of like uh, so is Cole's last name Seer because he can like see is that his people? last name I never knew yeah, his S-E-A-R. last name yeah S-E-A-R it does well, seem like a good play on so it's like, is it supposed to be like he's a seer like he's psychic kind of a thing and then what was Bruce's last name uh, Malcolm, Malcolm, what was his last yeah, name? Yeah, Malcolm, Dr. Something. I don't have an answer for that. Right. I only looked at Cole's because it was on a piece of paper. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. I hadn't thought of that this year. <laughs> I, I never, don't think I ever heard his last name. I'm just going to see if I can find out Bruce Willis's. Crow. Mm. And when there, uh, when there's a bunch of them, you know, like a pride of lions. Mur- murder, murder of crows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he does get murdered. Maybe that's the hint at the oh. top. Whoa. Yeah. The hint. I think that's really yeah, quick, too. All that stuff is very intentional, I think. Yeah. 
I know so. once you said seer, I was like, I bet. I bet there's a yeah. reason. Got to. And Tommy Tomasino is just a fucking annoying. It's great. Yeah. It's a great name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the quick trivia I had on this was that um, I thought it was interesting. Bruce Willis had to do this movie because he owed, like, he, he kind of got in a whole thing with another movie where he fired the director and, like, there was all this money that they owed and the movie never got made. And so he had to settle with Disney by pledging that he would do three future movies for them and this was one of the movies that he had to do this is under the disney umbrella what yes whoa so he did armageddon this and the kid and they were all contractually he was forced to do them in order to like clear his debt whoa i don't even know what the kid is whoa but i mean like to luck into it's like one of the greatest movies of his whole career yes and it's like that's how he was like forced to do it yeah (laughs) He kept working with M. Night Shyamalan, so he clearly yeah. liked it. <laughs> he did and this movie was like a sleeper hit. It came out, nobody thought it was going to be anything, and then it was like the third top grossing movie of the year. Exploded, yeah. Yeah. So cool. Well, now we got to go watch Unbreakable, at least Nora and I do. Just I haven't seen it, it yeah. yeah. Oh, Unbreakable's great. I want to see And it. then watch Split. Okay. What split? The splits his other one? Yes. It's somebody with split personalities, right? Yes. But you watch Unbreakable and then watch Split. Okay, sounds good. Thank you so much for coming on and for being so vulnerable and open and sharing so yeah, much. Yeah, thank you. Oh, do you want to promote anything or tell people where to follow you? My, I don't have something crazy to promote. My, I'm on Instagram. Yeah, you can just find me, I guess, if you just type my name. Also, could I promote my... Thank you. Okay, my girlfriend has a site called Pug Bonnets, and it's on Instagram. It's Pug Bonnets. She created it. And Is it I, Pugs in Bonnets? Yes. So oh, my God. Because, like, it's her first, like, venture into, like, using social media for something, and she does, like, really important stressful work, and she's like, That's amazing. I've been thinking about this Pugs, making a thing about Pugs and Bonnets for the past five years. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, you're a fucking doctor. I was like, this is totally within your reach. Like, you can make this. That's amazing. I can't wait to look it up. That's Oh, my adorable. gosh. I'm looking it up right now. I'm trying to find it. Are they I'm in like, sunbonnets? <gasps> There's one in a beret. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But the bonnet is really good. It's very funny. Yeah, and the first one is our dog, Dexter. That's oh, Dexter. that's Dexter in the bonnet? Mm-hmm. He's a part pug, That's so, so cute. yes. <laughs> yeah, I can see the chihuahua in him. Yeah. Oh, everybody follow. Bring this doctor some joy. Follow yeah, pug we'll, bonnets. We'll tag it in the post, too. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, great. No, thank you guys so much. This was so yeah, fun. I'm yeah, really honored to be asked. On. So Aww. thank you so much. It was much. such a pleasure to have you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Oh, yeah. Uh, Wear a mask. You can find us on... What? Wear a mask. <sighs> Fucking seriously. Wear a mask, yep. Uh, we're on Instagram at He's Right Behind You podcast. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. We love the reviews. We love the messages. Keep them coming. Just be nice to people. And so everyone's, like, depressing me. Just be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Please try to be kind. God, you don't know what yeah. people are going yeah. through. They could be seeing little ghosts. It's true. Seriously. You know, you never know when you're going to run into a coal and... Yeah, that's true. That maybe was too foreboding. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) My brain is fried. (laughs) Our next movie is Nightmare on Elm Street. Woo! Yes. Yay.